Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. Dr. David yes. Hirsch is a senior lecturer in sociology at Goldsmiths University in London. He has been described as one of the bravest and most thoughtful scholar activists and as someone who has campaigned courageously against the all too prevalent demonization of Israel as one, as the one nationalism in the world that must not only be criticized but ruled altogether illegitimate. He has just published a book entitled Contemporary Left Antisemitism in which he explores the demonization of Israel and the signaling out of Zionism for single condemnation. It is a topic that puzzles many of us, and Dr. Hirsch has a wonderful ability to analyze and dissect his topic and put it across in an easily relatable manner. Dr. Hirsch, welcome and thank you for joining me. Hi, good morning. Uh, Dr. Hirsch, um, why are people anti-Semitic? Why do people hate Jews? Goodness me, um, that's a big question to start off with. Um, in a way, in my book, I come at the question from the other end. I come at the question by looking at stories and things that have happened and things that people say and ways in which hostility to Israel or criticism of Israel kind of morph into something else and take on various kind of emotional contexts and feed into anti-Semitic feeling or draw upon anti-Semitic narrative and so you have little incidents and bits and pieces. Um, I was reading through the book again recently, and I, I was a little worried because at the beginning I kind of think, yes, that story is kind of interesting, but it could be or it could not be anti-Semitic. And then the next discussion and then the next. And then the book is kind of relentless because it, it ends up with, you know, 10 stories that I discuss, and then 20, and then 50, and then 100, and then you begin to get the shape of how it works, and you begin to think, no, this isn't paranoia, but if you bring it all together, then there is a story to be told here, and there is a similarity between the kinds of hostility to Israel that we see, and the vehemence and the emotional register of the kind of hostility to Israel that we see, and and there is a connection between those things and older anti-Semitic movements. You, you start, or firstly, I should have started off by saying congratulations on your new book. It's a, it's a great achievement and well done for it, and it's obviously very highly acclaimed. And I do want to turn to your book a little bit later. But before we go into that, you talk about Zionism and concepts of Zionism then and now. And I want to go back to straightforward anti-Semitism. Is it different then and now? Um, anti-Semitism, well, anti-Semitism has had lots of different lives and lots of, it's always been different. You know, early Christian kind of anti-Semitism in opposition to the Jews and defining decent Christian identity against the Jews was one thing. Um, I've just been in in Spain for a week, and one forgets that in, you know, 1492, um, Spain wiped itself clean of Jews, and that was another thing. And then, you know, another thing is the kind of modernist anti-Semitism of Wilhelm Marr, who, who coined the, the, the notion of anti-Semitism, and really he said we need a new modern word for this, for this um, 
political movement against the Jews because this old Christian anti-Semitism is a bit silly. So every new anti-Semitism begins by, critici- by criticizing the old one. Every new, anti-Sem- every new anti-Semitism begins by saying these old Jew haters, they got it all wrong. They said the Jews were responsible for this, this and that, and that was wrong. But in today's age, the Jews are actually responsible for this, this and that. And so, so for example, uh, you know, every time that the Jews have been held responsible for war has been wrong. But some people say that now with the Iraq war or, you know, people who want to make war against Iran or, or whatever, people in America say that this time the Israel lobby is really behind this move to war. So um, that's one of the reasons why I don't really use the term new anti-Semitism because each anti-Semitism is new and each anti-Semitism is different, but they always draw upon some of the old emotional um, reservoirs and some of the old reservoirs of of stories and notions and ideas. So um, (laughs) similar and different, really, but, but certainly I don't think the current um, irrational hostility and sort of singling out Israel as being a key evil on the planet, I don't think it's a kind of unique thing in the history of anti-Semitism any more than each anti-Semitic movement and feeling was itself unique. Well, I mean, it's almost like the right-wing and the left, right-wing anti-Semitism and left-wing anti-Semitism have something in common in that they all hate Jews, but the way they go about expressing it is different. Well, it's extraordinary, especially if you watch um, the discourse that's happening in America at the moment. So um, you have lots of sort of people on the left really angry and really up in arms about anti-Semitism on the right. And they see a kind of core of anti-Semitism in the neo-Nazi groups. Mm. And then they see a sort of periphery, a kind of fertile ground for the growth of that kind of Nazi anti-Semitism with the Trump um, uh, administration and with Steve Bannon and the White House. And if you watch the final day campaign video of Donald Trump, it's kind of very similar to a conspiracy theory video. So the people on the left are suddenly awake to anti-Semitism on the right, and the people on the right are saying, no, no, this is ridiculous because the key anti-Semitism comes from the left, and it comes from uh, uh, the kind of Stalinist tradition and and people who uh, build a movement which in the end really threaten Israel, which is the place where most existing living Jews live. So everybody finds it very easy to denounce the anti-Semitism, which is in the political movements that they hate anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they find that easy. They find it easy to recognize and they find it easy to mobilize. But the same people find it very, very difficult to mobilize against the anti-Semitism that is around them in their own political family. Um, so people on the right find it very difficult to understand the relationship between Trump and Steve Bannon and the outright and, you know, rather racist, what they call white nationalist politics and anti-Semitism. And people on the left find it equally difficult to see the relationship between 
um, I don't know, Jeremy Corbyn and Kasatu, for example, um, and their support for not only for movements which campaign for Palestinian rights, but which campaign against Israel and which campaign for the abolition of Israel and which end up apologizing for and supporting all kinds of anti-Semitism. So, and, and so it, people are just pointing and shouting, look, it's over there, it's over there. And in the end, anti-Semitism becomes a mode of criticizing people that you don't like politically, when really we should be responsible for cleaning up our own political environment first. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of from a left tradition. My book is about contemporary left anti-Semitism because I'm more responsible for the anti-Semitism around me than the anti-Semitism over there. And I think... Um, that would be quite a good model for other people to follow, really. Well, in a way, you, you, your study started from you kind of being a sociology lecturer in racism at Goldsmith University, and one, mom one moment you were just a lecturer, and the next moment you were a Jewish lecturer at the, uh, huh. uh, becoming, you know, at the expense of a boycott. So do you want to just share your own story? Yeah. Um, well, I think that's an interesting thing that happened. So, the, the kind of bottom line is that racism um, constructs race. Um, and racism... So, you know, one might have a Jewish identity, one might have an, a black identity, and that's fine, and that's your own kind of freedom and your own business. But if a black person or a Jewish person is walking down the street and they get confronted by a racist who defines them as black or as Jewish... That's another business. So there's a distinction between your own identity and how you feel in the world and who you are on the one hand and how you are designated by others. So what happened to me was that, you know, I was quite a successful kind of young early career sociologist. Um, I felt very at home in, in, uh, in sociology and in my department, my university. And then this issue of boycotting Israel came up. And very many people define their own membership of the community of the good through um, willingness to boycott Israel. So people who boycott Israel are good because they're courageous and they stand up against Zionism and racism. And people who oppose the boycott of Israel are bad because it is said that, that whatever they think, they are objectively helping the Israeli state to be racist and Zionist. So because I opposed the boycott, um, then I kind of felt that I became thought of by many people, not simply as a sociologist, but as somebody who had an allegiance to this kind of foreign um, tribe, nation. Um, and I felt that my work on anti-Semitism wasn't any longer really looked at in its own merits, but was looked at as if it was written from a kind of selfish, tribal point of view. And that's what I meant when I said that I think I, became, I kind of shifted from being a, a sociologist to being a Jewish or a Zionist sociologist. And as I said, you know, I might, I certainly do consider myself to be Jewish and I might consider myself to be Zionist and under certain understandings of Zionism. But if somebody else um, 
put that onto me, that identity onto me, and then kind of held, held, holds me responsible for it. That's a different business. But there was a real great story about Nick Cohen, who's a journalist in Britain. And although he's called Nick Cohen, he's not Jewish. Um, his mum isn't Jewish. His dad isn't Jewish. There must have been some, Jew- some Jewish uh, ancestry at some point, but he wasn't Jewish. But when he wrote things um, which the anti-Semites didn't like, he would get deluged with emails and letters saying, you only say this because you're Jewish. And Nick Cohen would say, oh, I'm not Jewish, actually. And he says, after a certain time, he stopped denying being Jewish. He said it was really, it just brought shame upon him, he said, to deny that he was Jewish. And after a certain time, he said, yes, I'm Nick Cohen, and I'm now Jewish. <laughs> because I've been, Jew- I've been defined as Jewish by the people who hate what I write. So um, it seems to me that anyone who's suffered racism will recognize the way in which race is constructed sort of violently from outside by racists. Um, D- David, you, you describe somebody who's not Jewish but stood out in defense of Israel and suddenly was labeled as Jewish. You also get it the other way around, and I know one of the chapters of in, in your book looks at this topic specifically, and that is Jewish people who identify with the Palestinian yeah. cause. And, and I just want to take you back. You were our expert. Well, you weren't ours. You were the, the South African Human Rights Commission's expert in the Mogani Masuku trial. And um, yep. the political analyst Stephen Friedman was brought out as an expert witness on behalf of Bongani Masuku. And, and while the judge yep. found that he could not accept the evidence from him, stating that it was not an expert on the issue of anti-Semitism and that he showed partisan on the issues, um, he, he, he was clearly brought out by Kusatu to show that there was a self-identifying Jew who himself was anti-Zionistic. Now, I don't want to go into Stephen Friedman specifically, but why do you feel the need to address anti-Zionist Jews separately from just any other anti-Zionist? Okay. Well, I think think it's really significant. I mean, our experience in in the Union, in the UCU in Britain, was that debates to boycott Israel would always begin with a Jewish person standing up and saying, as a Jew... I can tell you that anybody who says there's an issue of anti-Semitism here is not just wrong, but is lying uh, for selfish, Zionist, nationalist reasons. So, um, strategically, it's something which works quite well. And some people say, well, the Jews are kind of wheeled out as as, um, useful idiots. I don't think that. I think often Jewish anti-Zionists are the kind of leadership of a particular kind of boycotting an anti-Zionist movement. So I think the way this happened is actually in a way quite straightforward, that that many Jews, um, many Jews are particularly concerned about Israel. You know, that's not uh, controversial. Mm-hmm. Many Jews feel a kind of attachment to Israel and, they, and they're interested in what happens there. And many Jews, I would include myself, are kind of particularly worried about the bad things that Israel does. I'm particularly concerned about, you know, some of the bad things that happen under occupation um, and some of the bad things that, that happen in Israel. And I'm particularly, I'm kind of, I have a particular concern about that, partly because I'm Jewish. I'm very concerned about the five million people who've been killed in Congo in the last 10 years, but I have a particular relationship 
to Israel and to 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 what it does and to what it does wrong. Now, when people take their own particular Jewish concern with what Israel does wrong, and they kind of essentialize it and they bring it into civil society and they bring it into the unions, then it tends to transform into something else. Because what they're trying to do is to get the union or the judge to share their own particular concern with Israel and with Israeli human rights abuses. And of course, you can see that when civil society and and wider society adopts a kind of Jewish oppositionist frame, then then, um, this can be problematic. Anti-Semitism has always constructed... Jews are being somehow at the center of the world. And when anti-Zionist Jews invite the rest of the world to also see them and their, you know, bad racist Israeli cousins as being at the center of the world, then you can see that there's a uh, something which happens which they didn't necessarily predict. Now, there's a kind of whole load of interesting stuff about identity. So, we do think, and I think, that, you know, somebody who's experienced racism or sexism or anti-Semitism, I think they aren't necessarily correct because they're a woman or black or, or Jewish, but I think they certainly have a proper, you know, an insight which other people should respect and take seriously. So in this case, I think, um, you know, a lot of Jews worry about anti-Semitism, and a lot of Jewish communities, the sort of institutions of the communities, worry about anti-Semitism. I think in both Britain and in South Africa, there's quite a strong consensus, actually, that, you know, criticism of Israel is one thing and it's entirely legitimate, but anti-Semitism and demonization and hostility and hatred are something else. I think there's quite a, a strong consensus. Now, there's a little kind of anti-Zionist fringe which comes along and says... Um, and says, actually, I'm Jewish, and I can tell you that this consensus is all a load of complete rubbish. Um, and that's, I think, when we get a problem. A problem of, so on the one hand, people kind of say, look, my identity is this, you know, I'm Jewish, or I'm black, or I'm a woman, and I felt this, that you might not have noticed. But what we have with the anti-Zionist Jews is that they say, I'm Jewish, and I'm not telling you this in order to show you that I have some particular sensitivity to anti-Semitism, but I'm telling you this in order to kind of absolve you from thinking about anti-Semitism. Do you see what I mean? There's a kind of reversal going on, that people mobilize their Jewish identity not because they want to explain that they've experienced anti-Semitism, but because they want to explain that the other Jews who have experienced anti-Semitism are being dishonest and mobilizing their Jewish identity and their victim status and the Holocaust and all of that in order to defend Israel. So it's quite a kind of, it, it starts as something quite understandable and becomes quite a dirty narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'd say one thing about the case. Um, so Bongani Masuku, he went well beyond a kind of standard left-wing, anti-Zionist boycotting position. Standard BDS anti-Zionist position is one thing, and it's something that I actually find quite threatening. But but Masuka went beyond it, 
And he started making speeches not only against Zionism but against the Jews who he said supported it and saying that there's no room in South Africa for such people and uh, the other things that he said um, which people know about. Now, Stephen Friedman comes along and they say, will you come and defend Bongani? And Friedman must have been put in a bit of a position because Friedman would defend your kind of standard anti-racist so-called anti-Zionism. But then he had to defend everything else that Bongani Masuku had said. And that put him in a really difficult position. But he decided to do it anyway. <laughs> and so he kind of mobilized his Jewish identity and he said, he said, and there's always a sort of pleading guilty to a lesser evil. You know, such and such a statement might have been stupid, it might have been ignorant, it might have been rude, it might have been vulgar, but it's not anti-Semitic. This is a kind of favourite of Ken Livingston, the, mm. the former London mayor. Right. That's well, what he always says, you know, oh, I might, you know, I'm a bruiser, I'm this, I'm that, but I'm not anti-Semitic. So, the, the, so that's what um, Stephen Friedman tried to do. And in the end, the judge said, look, you know, speaking as a Jew, it might give me some kind of insight into this or that experience, but it's not expertise. Speaking as a Jew is not the same as being a person who is expert in the history of anti-Semitism and in making judgments about what is anti-Semitic and what isn't and, and, and uh, helping the court to explain to them how this phenomenon works. Dr. As Hirsch? a Jew is not the same as as expertise. Dr. Hirsch, our time has literally run out, um, but I would urge people to buy the book. Uh, it is Contemporary Left Antisemitism, and we will be able to get it here in South Africa? I hope so. Um, if there's any problem, then uh, somebody should get to me. I'll get on to publishers, but uh, I don't know how people buy books in South Africa, but it certainly should be available. In fact, I'll do that now. The other thing that I could ask people to do right now without waiting for a book is um, I was part of uh, making a video um, which was about anti-Semitism in the Labour Party in mm. Britain Fascinating. and it's called Whitewashed mm. it's called Whitewashed so if you Google my if you go not Google if you go on YouTube and you Google my name and you Google the word Whitewashed then um, you'll find a 35 minute video that I um, had a part in making um, which people might be interested in uh, Dr. Hirsch, I think we're going to have to continue this conversation at, at a very soon stage because I, I don't think we've even begun to explore all that's in your book and certainly I'd like to ask more about what is happening in the UK with the reports coming out that a third of Jews wanting to leave, but we have to have to leave it here. I'd like to say thank you very much and I look forward to picking up on this conversation in the near future. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Dr. David Hirsch, who is a lecturer at, uh, in sociology at Goldsmiths University in London.